Brandon Carr actually was like, it's your week, man, it's your week. Um, you're probably gonna be following him. So it just kind of built up, built up, built up. And then we got into meetings and um, Wink was like, do you like 84? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And you're talking to him and he's just smiling. And I'm like, is this the same guy who just cussed me out today? <laughs> and so now it's like, he's the one like, hey, take a picture of me. And then, and then he takes this shirt off, puts on another shirt, like, I right, take a picture of this shirt. And I'm like, all right, whoa. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Welcome into the lounge. We finally got a player guest. Yeah! yeah. We no said. offense to John and Cliff. Yeah, oh, they of were course. great guests. They, they were great guests. Set the bar very high, so right. anybody that had to follow them, you know, tough task. But we went out there and we said we promised, and when we promise we deliver That's most right. of the time. <laughs> That's what we did. Uh, Marlon Humphrey's our guest, and uh, we have a lot to talk with him about. But before we do that, we've also said that we're going to read some reviews uh, mm -hmm. on iTunes. So this is basically a call to action for every, everybody out there. If you want mm -hmm. a chance to have your review read, you should go ahead and Write a review. If you want to have a chance for us to read about how great we are. Yes. Th this is the time. <laughs> There's nothing I love more than that. Here's a review recent, 20 hours ago. Ooh. So someone's feeling hot. pretty good. Yeah, this is hot <laughs> off the presses. Someone's feeling pretty good after that Steelers win. The uh, title of the review is Fun Times at the Castle. Ryan and Garrett's chemistry paired with a Hope Crosby-esque give and take make for Co uh, uh, Bob Hope and Neil Crosby. Who's Crosby? I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be Bob Hope. Really? Then who's Crosby? I'm not sure. Sidney Crosby. Are we too old for this? No, we're, we're too, too young. We're too young for this. <laughs> this is it. Usually, <laughs> the old jokes are right in your wheelhouse. Usually, that's me. All right, but anyway, uh, pair it with a give and take. Make for an always enjoyable listening experience. Knowledgeable insights, in-depth human interest pieces, and delightfully absurd mock drafts with de with debatably dubious outcomes. I think it's well not, said. Yeah, it is. A lot of Ds. We do we do need another draft. These keep the show fresh and fun. Keep up the great work, guys, from Astoria Mike. So thank you for the review there. Yeah. That's a good one. Also, yeah. we got a great one from a West 478. It actually came right before the season. Uh, complimentary review. And the question was, do you gentlemen believe that the first four games on our schedule will test and we will see what kind of team we will be for the rest of the season based on the first four games. Three and one, baby. I do think that. Yeah? I you do. actually believe that. I now. do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that you make a statement in the first quarter about what kind of team you have, both both uh, to the pundits and the fans and both and to yourself. Uh -huh. I think that like the Ravens uh, with a big 26-14 win in Pittsburgh showed themselves you know, what kind of team that they can be. It set the bar high for the expectations this year. I mean, I think they all felt it. Like, we felt this snowball effect over the whole offseason that, all right, the offense is going to be better, the defense is going to be good. You know, I think we can be good this year. You know, I think you can. But it's a lot of I thinking. Yeah. You know, yeah. then once you start playing the games and you go to Pittsburgh and you win a game like that, uh, where you really, you really dominate it. I mean, the scoreboard, I think, could have been even more lopsided. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that says something to yourself that, you know what? We're a Super Bowl contender this year. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it. It's not Festivus <laughs> anymore around here. It's a Super Bowl potential team. You it's got like, those reservations in Atlanta still, right? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It's like when we had Pitta on the podcast after week one and we were booking our, our flights that's to right. Atlanta. Yeah. I'm rebooking them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Called them off. Rebook it. Yeah, so we're going to get into the Steelers a little bit more. But before we do that, let's go ahead and welcome in our guest, Marlon Humphrey. 
Marlon, I said to you last week as I was trying to negotiate with you to convince you to do the podcast that after you shut down Antonio Brown and beat the Steelers, that we'd have to get you on the lounge. So you guys hold them without a touchdown, what, 47 yards in the second half? Mm -hmm. I think that constitutes a nice, a nice day. So how's it feel? Feels good. Um, <laughs> I was, I remember when you said that and I was like, do I want to do this podcast? You know, how's a game going to go? <laughs> you know, There's some good encouraging words. And uh, I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind doing it if we, if we uh, can kind of eliminate him a little bit. And, um, beat the uh, beat the Steelers and win the game. Well, that's what we try. You know, we like to pump up the guests before we get you on here. So I wanted to give. I figured that was a good negotiating play. Yeah, it was a very good negotiating play. Um, that, that win felt very special. So I was I was really uh, excited about it. Mm -hmm. How 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 much did that game mean to you from just a personal standpoint to go toe to toe with Antonio to shadow him for large chunks of the game? You know where where Wink says, you know what, Marlon? All right. You go. This is your time, you know, and and to to limit him the way you did. Um, it, it definitely felt good. Um, he, he's a great player. Um, of course, we had you know a few double teams on him. A guy like that, you can't just play single high with him all game. But that's um, very nice of you to concede that. You know, you're <laughs> like, all right, I did have a little help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a guy like that. I don't think it's it's many guys in the league that can just you know single high, just man to man, have him everywhere all over the field the whole game. Right. I mean, he's just such a. I think I've said before. Um, he, he's a guy that you can tell his his conditioning is above all. He he runs a route, runs another route, and he's just running all over the field. So he, he's a guy that doesn't get very tired. So sometimes you're gonna definitely need to double. So I'm curious, like going into the game during the week, do you go to Wink and say, "I want him. give him, let me shadow him," or does that, or does he come to you and say, "We're gonna"? How does that play out? Um, he um, kind of the beginning of the week. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what went into it, but after we won last week, Brandon Carr actually was like, this your week, man, this your week. Um, you're probably going to be following him. So mm. he, he had kind of already had me thinking I was going to be like that. And then we were in special teams meeting, and Jerry was like, are we doing what we think we're doing this week? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what. So I, I don't know what. <laughs> Jerry so, Rosberg said this? Yeah. Because he's is, basically saying, like, are you oh, can it? I use you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he was basically like, are, are they doing what I think they're going to be doing with you this week? And I'm like. I don't even know what they're doing with me this week. So, um, it just kind of built up, built up, built up, and then we got into meetings. And um, Wink is like, um, do "You do you like '84?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I can do it." And um, so it was a challenge, and um, I, I try to take it going on strongly. And um, however it played out, it played out. Do you when you basically someone says that you know Brandon Carr says that leading up to the week and the guys start asking you and you're like oh I got it I got it I got it you're probably feeling good about it and then Wink actually says like all right you got it how do you handle it once you find out that like okay I'm actually doing this now yeah it, that that's basically how, how it was it was like oh yeah I think I can do it and then he like tells you like that's for sure how we're doing it and then you're like okay like but um <laughs> do I need to rethink this it, right it, it, it was it, it, I will say it kind of made things a little bit. You know, simpler. You know, usually you go into a game like the Steelers, they play so many receivers. You know, whether Switzer, Juju, uh, the rookie 13, mm -hmm. you're just like, ah, I got to watch all these guys. What do they do? And you got a notebook full of kind of how they like to release. But AB, you just, you just kind of focus on him, even though he can do so many different things. You just kind of try to look at just one guy's tendency since you knew you were probably going to be matched up on him a lot. So, mm -hmm. how many hours of film did you spend watching AB? Like, could you recite all of his moves from memory uh, now? <laughs> He, he's he's such a you know, such a talented guy. It was um there's a there was a lot of things that 
you know, I can't really can't really tell all the details. No, yeah, yeah. Weekend, you gotta keep a little bit behind the curtain. Um, there, there are definitely a lot of I watched a lot of film on them. I will say that um, I usually don't, you know, watch that much. But when it's, I usually just kind of watch it as a whole. But when you're just watching one guy, you watch a lot kind of differently than what you would watch mm-hmm. when you're just going over you know, three or four guys. So you kind of watch just film of even last year's game and Jimmy, how he played him, and you kind of just watch how other corners have played him just to figure out, you know, what kind of tendencies and things you like to do when, you know, depending on the corner. So a lot of different, a lot of film was watched, and uh, uh, I think it paid off. All right, last question on this, unless you have one. But my I don't know. Last, it's, it's, my it's, last one. Yeah. What do you think when Ben starts scrambling out and he turns up, Antonio turns up field, and you're like, oh, hell. <laughs> like, yes. that? That's that's actually what happened on that touchdown. I, yeah, exactly. broke the hitch, and then he's – that's what makes him so elite is right. his ability to just run around, and then by the time you, you know, you think you're right there with him and you look at quarterback second, he's already two steps, like, gone from <laughs> it. And it's just like – he's just – I think that's one of the things that makes Ben and A.B. that connection so strong. It's – it's not always what Ben's doing in the pocket. It's that that extra timing of mm-hmm. him stiff arming the defender and then throwing the ball still just on a rope. So he's just so quick out of the out of the scramble. His his scramble drill is, I would say, best. Maybe that that their scrambling drill is probably the best ever. So it's definitely tough when um, it's hard enough to guard him, but it's even harder <laughs> when you got to work on the scramble drill with him. So going into this game, I think that kind of from a national perspective, people looked at the Ravens' defense and felt like it's good, but can they do it against Pittsburgh? We know how the last couple of years have gone there. Like, and then you go out there and you answer that question in a big way by completely shutting them out in the second half. So are you guys feeling pretty good? And are you comfortable with basically being in the spotlight now in terms of being talked about as one of the best defenses in the league? Um, I think I think we're pretty, um, you know, okay with that. Um, I, I know a lot of people didn't really think, you know, just based on what's happened in the past with the Steelers, could we, you know, kind of match their, their offense? I mean, because once they get going, they're going. And I remember um, I was on the sideline, and it seemed like, you know, the game was going really well late in the game. But in the back of my head, I was still thinking of, you know, last year. And even though I wasn't here that, that Christmas game right. with big – and it's it's just you can't with, – with the Steelers, you can't let up. I told some guys, like, when we've been here before, this game is – even though it seems like we might win this, knowing what they have over there and Big Ben and A.B. and Juju and all those guys, this game is far from over. So you kind of can't ever really let up. Even when that last drive and I'm like, we're up, they, they got to get two scores, I'm still mm-hmm. thinking – you never know with them, so just go into it. And um, now I think I think we're, we're feeling really confident after that win. I think that can, you know, that that boost it gave us can um, last us for the rest of the season. You brought up Brandon Carr, and uh, you know he's the guy I've had some really good conversations with him in terms of his streak. You know, being a starter every single game of his career, and he conceded he's like, you know what, like with Jimmy coming back, I know it, it might be my time. It might be my time for it to end. You know, like Marlon's that good. You know, like he he talks about that, and obviously the three of you are all going to play a lot, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. But how has he? What kind of conversations have you guys had? How much has he kind of guided you as a veteran leader, and how do you approach that? You know, potentially supplanting him in the streak. Um, me, me and B Carb had a had a lot of different um, conversations, and just mainly just talking ball. Um, 
there's a lot of things that I guess when I played at Bama, we didn't, it was mainly always at the line. We never really got off and things like that. And he just told me little things here and there that have really made me see the game as more of a whole, you know, mm-hmm. as, as more of a, an elite corner. Um, and it's just, it's made me see, see the game a lot different just because the offense is mainly route combinations and certain things that are going to happen. If a guy usually goes to the flat, it will usually be a slant or just different teams of what they like to do. He'll... Sometimes we'll be sitting in team meeting. He'll, you know, show me his iPad and um, show me something, and I'll be like, okay. And I'll just – he just sees things that you can tell he's been playing for a long time and done it at such a high level, being that he's been a starter for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's just – he's definitely helped me out a lot as far as seeing the game, not just from, all right, I got to cover this guy, but if he's a lineup this split, help yourself by lining up outside and things like that. So he's definitely been a guy that's always been in my ear and um, provide a lot of help. So I think the cliche answer that a lot of people will give is when you have a guy like Jimmy coming back and the question is how that rotation is going to look, it's like it's a good problem to have, right? That's, we'll probably hear that a lot this week. I have, <laughs> I have a feeling. Um, but I'm curious, like, in all honesty, behind the scenes, is that a conversation that, like, how do the coaches appro- approach that? Do you have conversations with Jimmy and Brandon together? Like, how do you guys, both from a player and from a coach-to-player standpoint, ha- handle that? It's a good problem to have. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> last year it was. Last year it was kind of, just whenever, there was never a, a discussion of, all right, Marlon, you're going to go in this series. Marlon, you're going in this series. It was basically whenever, coach was like, all right, you're going in next series, and that was fine for me. Um, as long as you know I'm out there, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. I think, I think um, my freshman year at Bama when I redshirted. Not playing at all is one of the things that I, I didn't enjoy. I, I never thought I would start my freshman year at corner or anything, but I just wanted to be on the field, whether that was on field goal block, you know, punt return, kickoff. It, it didn't really matter for me. But not playing at all, I think, kind of does something. And it makes you feel like, man, like it doesn't matter how small or big your role can be. Just having doing something that can contribute to the team is always um, favorable. So... However way it goes, it doesn't really matter to me. I'll be thankful for whatever opportunity. But how much do you want to be the guy now? You know, I mean, the guy gets the Antonio Brown assignment. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's kind of a telling thing. How much do you want to be like, all right, you know what? I want to be viewed as an elite corner just how Jimmy has been. Uh, you know, how much does that play into your mind? It um, doesn't play into my mind too much. I think you can be the guy. Um, whether you get a few snaps, get a lot of snaps, or get none at all, it's just... It's kind of, I think, being the guy is kind of just the way you hold yourself and approach your work and, you know, come to business um, and practice and meetings and taking care of your body. It, it's, a, it's a lot of things that just don't show on Sundays and that go into being the guy. So whatever way it, it, it is, um, being the guy is definitely, you know, it's like being the guy is like when I used to watch um, guys highlight tapes um, back in high school and college. Mm-hmm. You know, you kids are probably, you know, watching – the top corners in this league, um, film and highlights. So that's like that's what I think of when it comes to being the guy. <laughs> you want to be the YouTube highlight that everybody's <laughs> watching. You know, I saw Nate watch his tape every that day. That is literally how I think that's how I watched your college tape. I was like, this guy's <laughs> sick on his YouTube highlights. Yeah, it's, um, it's like, you know, that's the guy. You know, right. you watch Pat P, you know, you watch Darrell Reeves, those are guys that I would pull up on my that's iPad. Who you watch? Yeah, I would I would watch his uh Darrell Reeves practice clips. It was just him one on ones all oh, the wow. time and it just that's like the guy. So um, I guess that kind of just comes over time. And, um, you know, I felt like 
they drafted me here knowing that they had two guys and that I was just going to be ready to fill in whatever I could and whatever way possible. So I've been enjoying the role I've had. I'm not sure how it'll work out with Jimmy coming back, but um, I'm enjoying it. So let's talk a little person, personality and, and, and your backstory. Um, obviously, you went to college, Alabama. You grew up in Alabama. Your father played there um, and was a great running back there. So when you're Why going, didn't you play running back? You're fast. I tried. He, he pushed me away from it all the time. Um, he's, why do you want to play running back? Why do you want to play running back? And he used to always complain about, you know, getting hit and you don't want you don't want to get hit you don't want to get hit and so um we used to go work out like just me and my family go to uh hoover in my high school's field and just kind of somebody would be doing track Marin, my little brother who plays basketball who never played football well, he didn't play football in high school he used to be dribbling basketball around the track i'm like why do you have a basketball here no, <laughs> that's just a weird look just so from a very young age i guess i never looked at it like that but he was definitely a basketball guy and i'd be running around and um, my dad would, he'd jog, jog a little bit with sweats and hoodie on, and then he'd wake up the next day, oh, my knees, my knees. <laughs> and so he'd always be just trying to tell me of how running back is not the way to go with longevity and just stuff after football. So slowly but surely, I was, after um, middle school, I, I left uh, running back and went to corner. Gotcha. And when you're thinking about going to college, you know, are you at all hesitant to go to Alabama because your dad went there? You guys wore the same number, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so are you thinking, all right, look, he's already carved out his, obviously, his, his legacy there. I'd rather go to a different school because I don't want to always be compared to him and have guys all these years later asking me about that. Or do you say, I want to go there and I want to follow in those footsteps? Like, what was that process? That was kind of in the back of my mind, actually. I was thinking, man, he's kind of already paved the way paved away and you know Bobby Humphrey the great running back and those things and then as it kind of got as it kind of got closer just where Alabama was at the time you know they had a, Nick Saban a great cornerback coach and I felt as if going to Bama would actually be able to help me because you know my dad did great things there he's got some connections there those are I, I feel like felt like he made a family there and so that was just a family I could add myself into I was right 45 minutes down the road, so Alabama was always home. But the main thing that made me kind of pick Alabama over anyone else is because they always treated me with, like, first class. I remember my, when I was younger, I was like, man, Alabama, LSU, they got the best two secondaries. I want to go to one of those places. And um, I, call, I could call Alabama 10 minutes before a game, like, is there any more tickets left? And whatever way they'd make it, no matter how big the game, they'd make it happen. I remember I called LSU one time. It was the LSU-Alabama game. And I called them kind of late. I called them, you know, like the week of, you know, but it's a big game. They always, you know, they have to decline people all the time. And I, I like, I had my coach call them, and they're like, oh, no, man, we don't, we don't have no more tickets. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, I think, I think it was, I, one time Alabama, I don't even think I told anybody. I just showed up to a game. And, the real test. And, that, and they were like, they were like, the dude's at the gate, he's just like, yeah, just, just come on in. I'm like, man. So they always, <laughs> they always they always treated me high class, man. They 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 showed from the beginning that that I was a um, someone they really wanted to be a part of their family. Les Miles is gonna listen to this and say that guy at the ticket counter signed me Marlon Humphrey all these years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You you talk about your family and and it's fun kind of following you on social media because you're so close to them and mm -hmm. take a lot of family vacations with them. 
God bless you, because I that many family vacations for me, I would kill them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one a year maybe is nice, but you take some long ones. Yeah. Tell us about where you've gone, your travels, and and why the heck you were able to put up with your family for that long. Um, <laughs> at a very young age, it seemed like me and my family we went to a lot of different places, and when I look back on them, it was always either my brother was playing somewhere, my dad was doing a golf tournament where they gave us two hotel rooms for free, <laughs> my sister was going somewhere, we, and we always just went as a family. And at one point, I realized I had been to so many different parts of, of the U.S., all these places, and they had never been on a vacation. Mm. It was always a, my dad coached with the Steel Dogs. We would go here. And it was always dealing with something that we had to do, but it, but we made it a vacation. Right, right, right. It was I, like a work trip. Yeah, it was, it was a work right. trip for whoever, right. whether it was my dad, my mom, my brother. Right. But while while we were there, we always made it a vacation. My mom would, we made it a vacation, but then I realized, wow, I've been so many places and never actually been on a vacation of just, we all going and just vacation. Right. And I think my first one was when we went on that cruise and we those cruise rooms are a little small, especially when you're, <laughs> yeah. especially when you're trying to put in, I think we had like maybe one or two extra. <laughs> right. So that was that was fun. Went to, yeah, uh, in. Yeah. Went to the Bahamas and all that, or wherever. And it was, that was a good time. And then we went to, um, we just went to San Francisco and my sister moved to LA, so we went to San Francisco. And there's always, I feel like my little brother and Brianna always get into some Marion, why are you doing? Why are you doing? They always get into something. You know? <laughs> this past one was probably the funniest one because my little brother was always kind of, you know, a reserved kind of like shy guy. And you know, you you go to play football and you're gone for a while. And you come back and he's like, "Hey, take a picture of me. Take a picture of me." And I'm like, "Is this my little brother?" What? <laughs> he used to be the guy in the Christmas card, not smiling. My mom say, "Marion, smile, smile." <laughs> and so now it's like he's the one, like, "Hey, take a picture of me." And then, and then he takes this shirt off, puts on another shirt, like, all right, take a picture of this shirt. And I'm like, all right, whoa. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. So it was, it, it's really, it was really fun, this last one, just to kind of see him grow into his own personality and kind of come out of that shell. And he's off to prep school now. So he's, he's, he's becoming a, a new person. And um, it was really interesting to, to see how he had you know, matured and kind of just come into his own. Did you go to like Abu Dhabi or something like that? Where'd you go? Oh, I went to, ended up going to Dubai. Dubai. That was, That's so right. I, I do my family trip and then I do um, my, oh. uh, my friend. Okay. We we're going to try to make it a little annual trip every year to go somewhere. Last the year before I went to, went to LA and then this year went out the country. But the, the worst thing with him is we both don't plan anything. We, we book <laughs> that it. That combination. The only reason why we got fortunate in Dubai was because we ended up knowing somebody and they kind of had everything planned. And we didn't even, we got there and they were like, all right, let's go do this, let's do this. But one day I think they were gone and we were like, well, what are we going to do? And we ended up just sitting in the room for so long. <laughs> and so we're really bad with planning. And we're like, man, we got to go somewhere cool this year. I'm like, let's go to China. I'm like, bro, we go to China, we're going to have to plan something. We're, we can't just be out there. <laughs> you just, just wing it in China. Yeah, you can't just wing it out there. <laughs> Dubai's a pretty place. You can just walk around. We cannot just wing it out there. So <laughs> I try to take about two trips, and um, with, one with my family for sure. That one always has to happen. And then another one with uh, my, my best friend. That's cool. Nice. Well, we'll let you out of here on this one because we know you got a role. Tell us something about Nick Saban that, someone would be, that people will be surprised to know. Uh, the thing I would say about Nick Saban that people would be really surprised to know is 
he, to me, he's like a light switch. Um, you know, when you go into a room, you turn a light on. And when you leave the room, you turn the light off. When you're, when you're in the facility with Saban, he's all football, kind of the grumpy guy everyone sees. And then <laughs> he leaves, and he's just a different person. I remember, um, you know, you, you're talking to Coach Saban in football meetings and things, and he's all or yelling at you, you know, kind of <laughs> that stuff. And then you go to his house where, like, he would have Thanksgiving, and you're talking to him, and he's just smiling, and I'm like, is this the same guy who just cussed me out today? And, <laughs> and you're almost like, this guy, but he's just so, he's so locked in, he's so serious about his work and his his craft that he, he, he doesn't have time for anything other than work. When he's at work, that's how he feels, and when he's out, then he can really show his true self. So, uh, you, know, you kind of see him thinking he's a, this mean guy, but he's really just He's just all football when it's supposed to be football, and when it's supposed to be life, it's all life. Nice. Well, Marlon, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it, and uh, keep shutting down these receivers week after week. All right, thank you. Cool. Really good stuff from Marlon. Family guy. You know, that's one thing I like about Marlon. He, he's, a, he's a dude who enjoys hanging out with his family, and, uh, and I do too. I, I can only imagine what the uh, game nights and stuff like that are like in that house when you consider all the athletes they have. It's true. You know, I asked about his dad, but his mom was a track athlete in college. Yep. Uh, his siblings uh, are both track and, and football athletes as well. So yep. good bloodlines in that family, and they're all super competitive. I can only, Like I said, I can only imagine how competitive things get over there. Like a board game night. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, I bet it would get pretty feisty. Yeah, yeah Monopoly gets out of hand at the Humphrey household. <laughs> but anyway, really good stuff. Uh, big game coming up against the Cleveland Browns. But, but before we look ahead, let's just real quick talk a little bit more Steelers. Oh, you want to talk a little Steelers? Because I think you made a good point at the start, which is okay. that you look at the score, I think when I step back and look at the game, the Ravens dominated the game. They really controlled the entire game. In the, in the heat of the game, as you're going through it, I'm sure everybody kind of felt like I did, which is you're a nervous wreck for the entire game. Oh, I was a mess. Especially when it, once it got tied up. You're feeling good, 14-0. Oh, yeah, here we go, baby. Size them up. And then all of a sudden, it's a fumble, and it's 14-14, and you go, here we go again. It's going right. to be a loss. And that's what. And then even in the second half, you're getting field goals, and you're thinking, okay, you're right. up six, but here's, here's the 80-yard touchdown drive. I think right, a lot of people right. are probably feeling that way. And it never came. The big play from the Steelers never came. It's because the Ravens' defense played so well. And they win by 12. But when you really sit back and think about it, it was a dominant performance from the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens controlled that game yep. from pretty much start to finish with the exception of a, of a fumble on the one-inch line that cost them seven points. They allowed 47 yards in the second half. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. To the That's team insane. that has one of the best offenses in the league, maybe yeah. the best receiver in the league, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and had the second-ranked offense coming into the game. Right. So it's not a powder puff team you're playing here no. by any stretch. In, in their place. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's an uh, incredible feat for this defense. You know, and I, I'm really happy for Wink Martindale. Uh, I like Wink a lot. And to see the guys kind of rally around him in the post-game locker room and jumping around and celebrating, rubbing his head, rubbing that mullet. Uh, <laughs> you know what? This should be our next challenge, me and you. Who grows the better mullet? Go for it. Go wink mullet. <laughs> you have to compete, all right? No just bowing out on this one. You, you can go for it. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's bad. Anyway, I, I think that, uh, yeah, this defense is legit. The offense is legit. The Ravens probably have the most balanced team in the AFC right now. You look at the Chiefs, their offense is incredible. Their defense... The yes, Steelers, same case. You know, they have questions on defense. The Patriots, same case. 
questions on defense for them. Um, the Jaguars have a great defense, defense but, but you know, offense. right? Is there? So I mean, when you really look at the top teams in the AFC, the Ravens are right there along with them. But here's the thing that I keep coming back to, everybody: Bengals. Bengals are good. The Bengals are very good. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of good teams, and the Ravens' schedule is tough. And there's no let up in this schedule. I mean, you look at even this Sunday's game against Cleveland. I think they're Cleveland could easily be four zero. Mm-hmm. They could have beaten the Saints. They could have beaten. They had a chance for a game-winning kick against the Steelers. Yep. They got blocked, I, I believe. Yes, yep. it got blocked. And the refs hosed them out of a win in Oakland. Mm-hmm. They could be four zero right now. Mm-hmm. That would be the talk of the whole NFL if the Browns are four zero right yeah. now. Yeah. Can you imagine how much buzz would be around them? So that's a good team. I mean, you got New Orleans. You you got New Orleans coming into MT Bank Stadium. You got a road trip to Nashville. You got a lot of tough games coming up. Yeah, I totally agree. And when everyone does what they do at the start of the season and every single week, which is go through and say win, win, loss, win. It's the first thing we you, do when we walk yeah, in. in the exactly. Morning. You pencil in every single time you do it. You pencil in two wins for the Browns. But this Browns team is better. Like it's oh, not such sure. a. I think you can't just go in and say win, win. Like you do every single season. Yeah. So they've got the first round pick or the first overall pick who's playing well. So uh, I think Jarvis, Land- is- Jar- Jarvis Landry's a dog. Yeah. Uh, the Carlos Hyde is a good running back who's having a good year. Their offensive line is legit. They've got Their a good defense. defense is pretty good. I mean, they kind of had a letdown against Oakland, but there was a lot of turnovers in that game. I think that's. I think what the key is for the Ravens is they need to basically pester Baker Mayfield and force him into mistakes. Like rookie mistake, rookie quarterbacks tend to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens historically have been very consistent at capitalizing on rookie quarterback mistakes. And so mm-hmm. that's what they need to force him into. They need to force him into some bad throws, make him hold the ball a little bit longer, get some strip sacks. That's what Oakland did. So yeah. make him see some ghosts. Yeah. You know, kind of play with him that way. Yeah. I think that is going to be what they try to do. And if they're able to do that, I think they come away with a win. I mean, I still think it's a win for the Ravens, but I just... This is not a gimme against the Browns. No, not by any means. Not by any means. But anyway, we will be back with you next week, which we'll try to get another guest. Uh, no guarantees yet, but we got some names on the list. Yeah. We got some very good ones. So, yeah. as always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net, and we will be back with you after a big, big, big. big. <laughs> <laughs> Big win. That was one of my best ones yet. Oh. Big. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible.